First off, can we talk about how the writer-director literally walked in with his helmet still on and snow on his jacket to do the Q&A? It was like so Sundance. <laughs> yeah, at the beginning, they announced he couldn't join the introduction of the film Miss Purple because he was still stuck on the mountain snowboarding. And you may recognize him. It's Justin Chan. He won an award for his previous film, Gook, uh, which premiered at Sundance a few years ago. And really, it looks like he hasn't slowed down since. But before we start, I'm Tuesday, she's Kaylee, and this is Whiskey and Popcorn. Sean really brought his A-game this year with Miss Purple. We're actually following multiple members of a family struggling to make it in L.A.'s Koreatown. So first, we have a young woman, Casey, working as a karaoke hostess to wealthy men who are like most likely visiting from out of town or they're showing you know, their, their colleagues a good time. But honestly, we all know what that work really entails, which is drugs, booze, and most likely prostitution. While not working, Casey is taking care of her father, who is terminally ill and, in fact, in a coma. It's unclear how he got that way, but she's determined to keep him at home rather than sending him to a care center. And at the beginning of the film, uh, she's in the process of losing the in-home nurse that has been taking care of her father. And this drives her to seek out her estranged brother to see if she can't get him to help her take care of their father. And even though their father is comatose, we do get flashbacks of him and his wife's relationship, or really his ex-wife at this point, along with the relationship between the childhood siblings. It's very much a intimate look at family. And first off, right off the bat, there were several things I absolutely loved. One It was cinematically beautiful. Mm -hmm. So going between Casey's seemingly luxurious life as a doomie, which you can basically kind of relate to the Japanese geisha, and then the absolute juxtaposition, which is kind of this mundane and sad existence of taking care of her father. And then, of course, her brother wheeling their terminally ill father around town. I mean, (laughs) it the dialogue just didn't need to be there and it portrayed so much just with the film work and also i really enjoyed the non-linear storytelling it worked really well for miss purple it's only within like the slow unveiling of the truths that we really learn why the brother and sister are where they are today I guess those are my initial thoughts. What What's your takeaway on the whole thing? Yeah, I loved, loved, loved this movie. It's definitely one of my top picks from Sundance this year. Oh, okay. It, it was hard because there we saw so many good films. I don't know if I could pick just one. This yeah. is like one of my top two. What I really enjoyed about this story is it's so grounded. It just felt so real, like we were peeking into somebody's life. Casey and her brother felt so authentic. Uh, Their story is relatable, particularly for me. Uh, My family for many years has cared for my grandfather who has Alzheimer's and he's been in our house up until recently. And my dad didn't want to put him in a facility. So seeing Casey kind of going through this process of, no, I want my father home. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And that's why she's this doomy, this call girl 
at the karaoke bars because it makes money and she's able to pay the in-house nurses and rent and buy food and all that stuff just so she could keep her father at home who and they have a very close relationship we see throughout the film it's it, what i found also interesting about this too and maybe this is a particular to korean families i i'm not entirely sure but she as the daughter was highly praised she was the princess whereas her older brother the son kind of got the uh raw end of the stick if you will on the father-son relationship in fact you know at some point as a teenager, the son runs away, and that's when the estrangement starts between father and son. Yeah, and I don't know if that's particular for the culture or or what the family dynamic was with that, but for sure, the son holds a lot of contempt and, for it. And you get to see that story play out, even though this is very much Casey's story. I love that development between father and son particularly since you know father's comatose and like you said he he takes this father and like he's on the bed the bed has wheels and he just kind of rolls them out and takes them for a stroll they go to the grocery store they go to the arcade it was just like what it was so funny and charming and yet still at the end there's like it didn't quite reconcile and I don't want to really spoil everything that happens but it's like it's not easy and I that is what I found so amazing about this film because I'm like I can see my family going through this process, too. Mm -hmm. So it's not just an Asian-American story. It's not a, just a Korean-American story. It's an American story. And Asian, aging parents and grandparents, I mean, that's going to be hard for us. It's going to be hard for anyone. And going back to your earlier point about nonlinear stories, it's interesting that you picked up on that because I, th I think for many stories, the way they tell stories in a variety of Asian countries, they aren't linear. Sometimes they're more like elliptical or like a circle. So you kind of jump around in different parts uh, of the wheel, circle wheel, if you will, in different points in time. And that can be jarring for Western audiences who are, we're very used, here's the beginning, here's the middle, here's the end. But it worked really well in Miss Purple. And I think it's because even though we did have these moments, these flashbacks jumping back in time, the story was still kind of moving forward in a linear fashion. So it wove together really well. It was almost like this really just well done blend of Eastern and Western storytelling styles. And really, Justin Chan is, you know, being an Asian American actor turned filmmaker from LA. I mean, he's the man to tell this kind of story. He even said in his Q&A after the film that he started writing and directing because there was not enough parts for him as an Asian-American actor. Mm. Even in the Q&A, he said that this was kind of a love letter to his hometown, which might sound weird, but with the mixing of traditional and non-traditional and how he played that out, I very much can see it as a love letter. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and I love how we get to explore that because I feel like for mainstream uh, Hollywood, we're just not hearing these stories. And I'm fascinated by that, that push-pull, the old country, and this is how we do things, and these are the traditions that we have, versus we're in our new country, and we got to adapt, and we have to fit in. And, you know, as, as a child who grows up in that environment, how do you reconcile all of that? How do you craft yourself, you know? Are, are you identifying as the Korean? Are you identifying as the American? Mm -hmm. Are you Korean-American? Like, who are you? And I think we get to kind of explore that kind of more metaphorically in this film. Mm -hmm. But I just I just love this movie. 
and I, I'm kind of thinking back to last year. We had Crazy Rich Asians. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had Searching, um, which was really good. There, there's a few Asian American stories that are kind of coming up. As we all know, they're nowhere near enough. But what I liked about Miss Purple is that it is that sort of grounded in reality type of story. I love Crazy Rich Asians, don't get me wrong. It was fantastic. I'm super happy that it brought a lot of attention to the lack of Asian uh, films, Asian American films, uh, or uh, stories, I should say. But now we need to move on to stories like this. Yeah, and I at least hope with the most recent award shows and movies that we've been seeing are really highlighting a turn in cinema. We don't want another comic book movie. I'm sorry. We want these real stories about real people. And just to kind of add on that, I never knew this, but apparently the color purple is the color of mourning in Korea. And so, you know, I, we, we didn't find that out till the end of the movie until the Q&A. And uh-huh. then that just like blew my mind. That added a whole nother layer to the story because uh, there's this point in the in the film where Casey is wearing a traditional Korean dress and it's this beautiful lavender color and it's just wow and then after hearing purple's the color morning I'm like oh my she's Miss Grief that's mm-hmm. that's who she is yeah it's such a weird it's such a weird concept when we were picturing it so differently as this beautiful you know shiny new kind of doll that's what she looked like and it, boy did Tiffany Chu, who's Casey, God, she delivered on grief. I mean, really all the acting for, we're discussing really no-name people here. All of the acting was exceptional. And that's what I also love, too, because, like, these are new actors for us. Uh-huh. And I was able to get lost in the story that they were telling and was not dazzled by their big names. Right. That, which can happen a lot in other other films when you use those A-list actors. And kind of going again to that that push and pull between the tradition and, you know, living in the U.S., you know, there there's a moment that happens as well where she takes that dress and she ends up ripping it apart and burning it. And it was just this very symbolic moment of, I feel like her just saying, like, I've had it with these traditions that are holding me back or they're, they're preventing me from being my authentic self. It was like this purgation moment. And we also then get to see a little bit later in the film where she had made friends with this uh, Hispanic man who invites her to his little sister's quinceanera. And she gets to join the party. And it's like she gets to have her own quinceanera, as director Chan put it. And it was like her coming of age moment. I mean, just like, oh, there is so much in this film. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we could spend an hour dissecting it. Oh, yeah. There's so many layers to this film. And... What what I found intriguing about the dress was it was gifted to her by a client, and she didn't even like it. I mean, the the burning really felt like a release from this cultural bondage and toxic masculinity that she has to surround herself with. And, of course, that's, you know, on a higher level than other people might watch the movie, but I got, I got so many layers from this film. It's something that I want to watch again. It's it's something that I want to have in my film collection because I just think it was just a beautiful, beautiful film mm-hmm. all around. Okay, but what were you thinking for drinks for the movie? I have an idea of what would go well with this film. 
and you'd be familiar with this drink. Okay. It's called the effin' good. Mm-hmm. It's a martini, a cucumber, I think, mint martini that we often get before we go to our movies. <laughs> but just like that drink, this movie is effin' good. Yeah. I think it was fantastic. Um, I feel horrible being stereotypical, but I kind of want some sake. It always goes just fantastic with dinner, and we watched it around that time. So I'm definitely thinking sake. On that note, be sure to keep an eye out for Chan. Uh, I got word that he's currently working on a title called Blue Bayou, which is kind of a continuation of this Asian familial drama that we've fallen in love with him doing. And if it's anything like these last two, it's definitely something to keep your eye out on. Totally. And make sure you keep an eye on us by subscribing. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. So you can find us at all your favorite places. And we will tell you the second we upload our upcoming Sundance reviews on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you at the movies.